This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnar Blog. James, a very interlull good morning to you. A very interlully morning to you too. Is this the ultimate interlull? It feels like it. It does a bit. Some people have asked already, have is this the most lully interlull of all time? It does feel like an exceptionally long one because I think we missed as well the the weekend before the interlull started because we weren't playing. We were supposed to play Wolves, but they were in FA Cup action, so the, our, the, our game against them was postponed. So, yes, it is. It is. It does feel very interlully. How have you been um, filling your interlull time? Oh, by watching all the international football, of course. Only joking. I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not a sadist. Uh, <laughs> I've. Wow, I've been filling my time. I can't even remember. That's how interlully it's been. I can't even think of any significant events. I think sort of I. Like a lot of football fans sort of live my life by the football calendar. And when mm. there aren't sort of fixtures to pin events to, I don't really know what's gone on. I mean, what about you? Um, yeah, kind of. I think I've been watching a lot more stuff on TV and that because there's no Arsenal to occupy our minds. I can give a couple of recommendations, actually. Oh, yeah. Why not? I, I, I think this podcast is going to be fairly light on Arsenal content for those of you out there expecting a lot of Arsenal in this podcast. It's not going to happen. And I do think maybe what we should do is rather than take questions just in part one, we could maybe use questions as a, a sort of a guide uh, throughout part one and part two. They could give us some talking points. Um, so maybe that's yeah. the way we'll do this. Uh, Okay. But uh, I watched a very good documentary about uh, the Irish boxer Katie Taylor last night. I don't know if you've seen that. It's on Netflix. I've not seen that, no. It is very good, and it's made by uh, a fellow gooner, Ross Whitaker. He is the guy who made, he uh, wrote and produced and directed uh, that particular documentary. So excellent uh, stuff there. If you're into boxing and women's boxing, or even if you're not, it's still a great story. She's done amazing things. Mm. Um, and I've been watching Get Shorty. TV show. Oh, with, yeah. With, Is that good? Yeah. With Chris O'Dowd, the guy from, people will know him from Moon Boy, um, which course. was on Sky. IT and crowd. Yeah, exactly. And he's very comedic in those things. And he's quite funny in this too, but he's got some menacing uh, stuff going down very well also. So, um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's good. That's what I've been doing, watching those things and not watching watched, any football. 
I watched uh, a documentary. Have you seen a documentary, Three Identical Strangers? You ever seen that one? No, but is that... I read an article in the newspaper about that a couple of months ago, where the three three brothers... Three adopted triplets who... uh, The families who adopt them, this is a minor spoiler, but uh, don't know, essentially, that they have one of triplets, and at some point later in their lives, they sort of one by one discover each other. Uh, and then it sort of becomes a kind of another documentary, really, about how exactly this came to pass and why no one was made aware. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, really fascinating. A lot of twists and turns. And yeah, definitely worth a watch. That yeah. is on. If you're in the UK, it's on 4 OD, whatever Channel 4's on demand services. It's available on that. Right. Okay. Uh, I, it's an amazing story. The way they even discovered that there's two of them is incredible. And then they found out there's a. Yeah, yeah. There's a third one along the way. Uh, I also watched uh, Free Solo. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Oh, I'm desperate to see that, but I am also terrified. I mean, the trailer alone makes me feel a little bit sick. (laughs) No, I agree. I've been, uh, I was sitting there watching it and and you kind of know that when there's a documentary about a guy doing something extraordinary, chances are that he's going to do the extraordinary thing. You know, he's going to pull it off and, and not plummet to his death. For those that don't know, this is about a guy who uh, attempts to free climb El Capitan, which is in the Yosemite National Park. Uh, Free climb means you don't use any ropes or pickaxes or any shit to keep you safe. You just literally start climbing up a sheer mountain face. And it's uh, amazing. Amazing. Uh, He's clearly nuts, but an amazing Mm. person to to do it. But there were times where I was sitting there going like... I know. Oh, my God. It's really good, though. Uh, imagine being the cameraman on that. Do you know what I mean? Having to watch that unfurl in real time. I don't know how I would cope with that. Yeah. Uh, Are they climbing as well? I guess they are. Yeah, but But they've probably got ropes. They've got ropes because you can't, like, hang on to a mountain face and also hold a camera at the same time without ropes. This is a good point. Yeah. This is a very good point. It is very good. Uh, but, but no spoilers, but, you know, he probably makes it right because, you know, they're probably not going to show him just plummeting to his doom. So. No, no. I mean, it would be a fairly unfortunate ending. It's uh, a sort of weird snuff film. <laughs> yeah. He just sat for uh, 90 minutes to watch a guy fall and die. Uh, <laughs> but no, 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 it is very good, and I recommend that. So um, what else? Arsenal are in Dubai? Yeah, have you been keeping up with that? I've watched no. a couple of videos of them training out there. No, you know? no. Danny Welbeck can run. Holy shit. Have you seen... Danny Welbeck's thigh. <laughs> I have seen it in your tweet that you just put out asking for questions. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen this, you can go onto my Twitter timeline and have a look where they've got the pictures on the the Arsenal website. And he's running along with one of the uh, strength and conditioning coaches. I think it's the Irish guy whose name I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But he's in all the videos and was in the Lauren Koscielny video as well, that great film about his Achilles coming. But anyway, Welbeck is running, is do, doing some light jogging, and his right foot is planted on the ground, his left foot's in the air, and I, I, I think it's safe to assume that he is now fully fit. Based on his thigh muscle alone, I think Danny Welbeck, I'd say Danny Welbeck could use that thigh muscle to climb El Capitan. Yeah, probably. He wouldn't need to use his hands. He just he could just jump from he could just jump from the ground and and reach the top. It is kind of crazy. I mean, that's the thing about Welbeck. Every time he has one of these long injury layoffs, I think he spends quite a lot of time in the gym, and he comes back after each one even bigger. Uh, But this is an extraordinary photo. He looks like a fucking superhero. 
I don't want to he go does, down the yeah. road of Avengers or anything like that again in case we get some Oh, more God, bad, we got in some serious trouble there. Some bad reviews on iTunes from people who, <laughs> who love the show but don't love our Avengers knowledge. Anyway. Uh, they love Avengers more than they love the Oscars. Yes. <laughs> Much uh, more. Yeah. So they're, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, they're playing a game tomorrow, aren't they? They're doing the, the game against um, yeah. Al Nasser, however you pronounce Al-Nasir, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm sure everybody will be very keen to watch simply because it hasn't made any Arsenal for a while. But Are they streaming it through the club? I think they're doing it on the official website. So arsenal.com will have the... Uh, they'll have the the game, and I think uh, I think I saw Adrian Clark saying he's doing some commentary on it as well. So they're going to have commentators oh. and everything. It's amazing, right? Mm. Um, an interesting fact: one of the players for Al Nasser just was having a look at their first team squad, Alvaro Negredo. Really, Alvaro Negredo of Manchester City fame. Yeah, he had an uh, amazing like Real Madrid four months or something at Manchester City, and then it all went yeah. terribly wrong. Yeah, he ended up, uh, I think he went from Man City, went to Valencia, on loan to Middlesbrough. Right. Uh, then Besiktas, and now he's in Dubai. And let me tell you, his scoring record in Dubai is absolutely outstanding. Is it, though? So he's found his form once again. <laughs> found his form, or his level, one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but, I mean, Danny Welbeck, be it like running at this stage, do you think it's conceivable? I mean, it seems to me like... He's got a decent chance, where are we, March 25th, of being available before the end of the season? Yeah, we had a a question on Facebook from Matt Bellhouse who said, with focus and training pictures showing a nearing fitness well back, do you think we'll see him again in an Arsenal shirt this season and potentially a contract extension for next season? I mean, we did talk about the contract extension a couple of weeks ago on the show and how it might make some sense. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. There's been no talk of it or anything like that, but Mm. whether or not we could get him back between now and the end of the season, I, I don't know. There hasn't really been any update from the medical team apart from that you know recovering after surgery thing that they do every week they don't say expected to return whenever um i mean i think it would be one of those things where they wouldn't risk him before the end of the season unless they really really had to you know and maybe the player wouldn't risk it either you know if he's got a move to make in the summer too yeah, I was going to say, I mean, from the club's point of view, there's almost nothing to lose. I mean, I know, obviously, he's a person. They don't want to just jeopardise his chances of a move. But, you know, it's not like they risk losing him for next season. I, I mean, we, I did like this question from uh, Jamie Kafash on Twitter. who says, in terms of our Danny Welbeck replacement, we need an experienced, quick player who can fit the Emery mould and is able to play out wide or up front for a minimal fee, brackets ideally free, and on Welbeck's wages. Know of anyone like that? Because uh, I, I, I do kind of think, you know, it does make an awful lot of sense, but there hasn't been a peep about it. Um, who knows? Maybe if he can get back fit in time before the end of the season and make a bit of an impact, it might change their thoughts there. But maybe he's got his own thoughts well, as well. Well, I mean, well. That's, I that's, that's, I think that's the main thing. It's what Welbeck's thoughts are and at what, what, yeah. uh, what age is he now? 27, 28. Um, mm. You know, he might want to... He might want to play regularly somewhere else mm. rather than be the bit part player, you know, because Lacazette and Aubameyang are always going to be the main strikers as long as they're fit and available. Um, you know, I, I mean, to me, I wouldn't have any problem with it if Arsenal decided to do it, but I just don't know if Welbeck is open to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a, an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, would you rather be kind of first choice at a a slightly smaller club or play regularly uh, or sorry be a bit part player at a 
a bigger one. Um, I hope he stays. Obviously, I really I like him as a player, and he seems like a very nice man. But, mm. uh, a very nice man. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? But he does. I'm not particularly optimistic about it right now. Uh, I also just think it's difficult to replace someone like that because you're you're asking someone to come in in the knowledge that they're very much second fiddle to Aubameyang and Lacazette, you know, and they, if they are someone who envisions envisions themselves playing as a centre forward, they they know those opportunities are going to be hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a straightforward task. But there you go. There you um, go. And in a summer in which we've got a lot of other things. To do. Very what was true. I going to say? I Serge Gnabry. Serge Gnabry. I thought his name might come up all right. Yes. Well, I mean, did you see his goal for Germany? I did. Spot, that was the only, bit, of, uh, the only bit of football I saw all weekend was that. Um, right. <laughs> where, where it was, I, I thought it was quite, you know, interesting. Obviously, he scored and. Um, Twitter became inundated with, oh, what have we done letting Gnabry go, et cetera, et cetera, which is, you know, fine and par for the course. You expect that, don't you? When a player leaves and goes on to do something excellent, there's a, a, an element of what might have been or you're wistful and you think, oh, well, you know, we could have we could have managed that situation better. And I do think we could have. I uh, wrote about that on the blog today. But what also I thought was quite funny was no, it wasn't just about Gnabry scoring a goal. It was about him destroying Virgil van Dijk. Destroying mm. him. Gnabry ruins van Dijk to score Wonder Goal. And it was just like, could, could, can it not just be a brilliant goal? I mean, does <laughs> somebody have he's to get ruined? Yeah. Van Dijk, that now he'll never play well again and Liverpool will collapse, I'm sure. R.I.P. Uh, van Dijk, you are with yeah, the Angels exactly. now. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, it's a really good goal. Um, he does go past Van Dyke, but I'm not sure it's... I mean, it's clickbait, isn't it, to say he's ruined him or, or mm. murdered him or whatever he's supposed to have done. Destroyed. Destroyed. <laughs> evaporated. Uh, Obliterated. Mm. Uh, it's a good goal. He was playing up front for Germany, I believe. Was they played it? a sort of funny formation with no strikers in it, and I think Gnabry and Sane were like the ostensible forwards, the closest thing to strikers in their team. Right. And they beat a Holland team who've been going very well, actually, surprisingly, recovered surprisingly well from missing the World Cup. Uh, even if they do still have Ryan Barbel playing for them, somewhat remarkably. Mm. But um, they, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel, I think, a bit more sanguine than most Arsenal fans about Gnabry. I think it's that... I recognise that with youth development, sometimes it sort of works for you and sometimes it doesn't. And I think as well, as much as he didn't leave us directly for Bayern Munich, I think the involvement of Bayern Munich mm. is pretty clear. And I kind of think even if we had given him game time, there's still a pretty good chance he'd be playing for Bayern Munich at this point. Possibly, yeah. I mean, look, he was at the towards the end of his deal. Um, I'm pretty sure contact was made with him some way yeah, beforehand. Some way back. That wasn't something that just happened in a in a flash, you know. Uh, but you can understand it from the club's point of view at that time when they loaned him out. You know, it was a good idea to loan him out because he'd spent over a year out with a knee injury, let's not forget. Um, mm. So there was a need for him to go out on loan to, to play. 
you can question, and I think quite rightly, the decision to send him to a Tony Pulis team. I don't really get why that happened, but let's not forget that Gnabry would have had to agree to that deal as well. So he seemed okay with it. Um, Pulis, not necessarily the greatest uh, promoter of young, exciting, uh, skillful talent in the world. Um, so... Look, it didn't work out, and by the time it was clear it wasn't working out, there was no... I don't. I think I, I remember there was the possibility of us loaning him out again, and then it didn't mm-hmm. quite happen, and he stayed with us and played a few times for the under-23s or whatever it was, went to the Olympics, did very well, and then pretty much left straight after. So I think I saw uh, Raphael Honigstein say that it was a lot of it was down to Arsenal not offering him a contract in sufficient time but you know it had come the injury and all that had had sort of sidelined him so maybe they just needed to see him prove himself and 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 make sure he was fit before they offered him new terms but anyway look we are where we are with that and I think we've probably improved things from a loan point of view since I hope anyway yeah and also like I know you know Pulis misused him and or didn't use him at all but uh, I saw on your blog this morning there was a link where Pulis said, "Oh, Gnabry's been brilliant uh, in training, and you know, great to have around the place." But in the same breath, he also effectively said he was carrying a lot of weight. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I don't know to what extent Gnabry sort of helped himself in that period. And when the Olympics thing happened, he really exploded then. But it did kind of come from nowhere. And I think to an extent, you can forgive Arsenal being slightly blindsided by it. I know he'd had that impact in the first team as a 17-year-old. but Yeah, but I mean, isn't, know, so isn't, isn't, isn't that... Well, I'm not sure Rio Miyachi was quite as trusted as Gnabry was by, by Wenger. He certainly played him quite often, didn't he, when he made that breakthrough into the first team before he got the knee injury. And I think that maybe should have been the driver for what we were going to do with him, you know, uh, I don't know that the injuries. Injury, I think, yeah, but I don't know if the injury was that serious that it was a case of, Ooh, will he ever come back again? You know, I think if there was faith in a seventeen-year-old Serge Gnabry, we should maybe have extended his contract before we did, and 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 shown him that faith and protected an investment in him, which would probably be worth a lot more right now. You know, um, but there you go, mm. there you go. Um, let me see if I can find a little question here. We do have some about young players. Speaking of, you know, players who went out on loan, it didn't it didn't work. And a lot has been spoken about that in the last few days because Per Mertesacker was in uh, Germany at Werder Bremen uh, doing a bit of back and forth with his former club. And we have this clutch of exciting talent in the under-23s at the moment who are going to need loan moves to help them develop you know there might be one or two who've got such talent that they can come straight into the first team but I think many of them are going to need to go out on loan and Jamie Walters who's on Facebook asks uh, Unai talks a lot about Arsenal's DNA being uh, giving youngsters a chance um yeah, uh, being about giving youngsters, youngsters a chance, I should say. Uh, but this season, we've barely seen any get that chance. Why haven't Willock, Medley, Amici, Saka been given more opportunities? Why was Smith Rowe sent out on loan? I don't agree with that question at all. I, I think. He I'm has only asking. I'm not. You know. I'm just saying. No, I know, but I just think he has given chances to lots of mm-hmm. young players. I think it's been one of the most positive aspects of his tenure. I mean. I would venture the questioner in the questioner in question probably hadn't heard of Zach Medley at the start of this season. 
but you know, Unai did put him in the team when when he needed to or when it suited him. Um, I, I think Joe Willock's got sort of an appropriate amount of game time. I mean, Maitland Niles has got a spot in the first team as we speak. Uh, Rob Holding, I know he's a little bit older, but was was promoted above more senior defenders. Mm. I yeah, I don't uh, think that's in. Uh, a fair accusation yeah. to level up I mean, do you, I mean, I think there is generally a tendency when senior players frustrate to think that the answer lies within. And when we hear about young, talented players, there's an assumption that they're ready and that they can step into the breach and, you know, for example... Uh, when Mustafi was frustrating people and our defence was frustrating people, a lot of people said, well, why don't we play Zach Medley? Why don't we just mm. play him? Because he can't be any worse than Mustafi. And I'm not sure, you know, that is the right reason to play a young player, uh, even if that were true. You know, there's a... You've got to sort of give a young player a chance at kind of the right time, unless you've got no choice, you know, where you're absolutely strapped for injuries, you've got to throw a young player in. You have to consider whether a player is ready physically, mentally as well. Um, I think some of the young players, as you say, have had a chance. And I do think as well, there is a real tendency to think of these guys as something close to the finished article when they're anything but that. You know, uh, we had another question there on Facebook as well. Um, it was from Alex Tolfrey. When are we going to give Xavier uh, Amici his, his go? And it's like, well, wh- where exactly do you want him to play? And in what games? Do you want him to play against Tottenham away? Do you want to throw in an 18-year-old against Manchester United at home? Games we did well in and won, you know. I think you've got to be realistic about how ready these kids are. And we can be excited about their potential, but we also have to be sensible and manage them in a way that doesn't absolutely ruin them really early on. Because what if you throw in a Zeg Medley and he plays poorly or, you know, not even plays poorly, he finds the step up at 17 or 18 years of age from under-23 or under-18s football to playing for a team that wants to qualify for the Champions League next season as a central defender, and you're asking him to just step up and be flawless? I mean, are the... I'm not saying this doesn't apply to the questioners or, or, or anybody specifically, but, you know, would the people who are demanding these young players get a chance, show them the requisite patience when they play like young, inexperienced, raw players with lots still to learn? That's the question. I think judging by the reception that the likes of Maitland-Niles or, you know, even Alex Awobi have had from their own fans at times of the season, I'd suggest probably not. And I also think there is a, a cost to playing young players, like you say. I mean, I think someone can come on for five minutes and look impressive or play in a domestic cup game against lower league opposition and look impressive but doing that at the Premier League or I think even mm. against some of the better opponents in the Europa League consistently is extremely difficult um, I mean one of the other things cited in the question was Emma Smith-Rowe's been sent out on loan I mean he hasn't played a game because he's been injured yeah. this whole time so uh, I don't think we've sort of cost him anything by sending him 
out to Germany and get a different cultural experience. Uh, yeah, I, I think Emery has actually managed youngsters really well. I think the one question I would have maybe is around Eddie and Ketia, simply because you know he was kind of kept around but hasn't been used, um, even though he was sort of theoretically bumped up the pecking order. But I think we have to sort of trust the coach if he is seeing Nketiah every day in training and deciding not to invest that playing time in him. And ultimately, he's still got two other more senior centre-forwards to choose from. Well, I think that's the only reason Nketiah didn't go on loan was because he only had two strikers because of Welbeck's injury. And, you know, if Lacazette gets an injury and Aubameyang gets a suspension, what do you do? You know, so I think that's the only reason why Nketiah didn't go out on loan in January. There was actually talk about it. I remember towards the end of the transfer window, there was talk about him going to to Germany, Augsburg, if I'm it? right. Yeah, yeah, Augsburg, yeah, which is where Jens Lehmann is um, coaching. So he might have been a recommendation there. But when it came right down to it, we still had the Premier League. We had the FA Cup. We had uh, Europa League games. And two strikers and you just can't risk uh, not having any kind of backup even if Eddie Nketiah is you know uh, a player who I think is a a prime candidate for the kind of loan that we're seeing Reese Nelson uh, on and Emile Smith-Rowe I mean I think what Per Mertesacker said was about at under 23 level you only play against peers at an average age of 18 or 19 although you have good opponents uh, competition with men's teams does not exist. Uh, you know, in Germany, you're challenged in the regional league or even better in the third league. The step from our under-23 league, this is in the in in England, into the first team is bigger because the next highest level is the Premier League. So what you have is this underage league and then the very top level of domestic English football. And there's a massive gap there, isn't there? You know, there's no way to bridge that gap beyond sending a player on loan to, uh, you know, the the football championship somewhere or uh, to another country. And I think um, we'll see more of young players going abroad uh, to to Germany, maybe to B teams in other yeah. leagues. So, you know, we have to get we have to get into the mindset of player development. Um, being a process and there are some yeah. players who can make the breakthrough at 17 you think Cesc Fabregas but he's a once in a lifetime talent and most young players aren't ready to do what Cesc Fabregas did by a long way No and I think it's interesting you know we think of um, Arsene Wenger as being a manager who really was keen on keeping his young prospects close at hand you know uh, not necessarily sending them out on loan, you know, keeping them at Colney where he could keep an eye on them and hone their development uh, firsthand. But actually, when you look at it, Jack Wilshire went out on loan. Aaron Ramsey yeah. had, I think, two couple of loans. Well, yeah, he had one after he got the injury. I think he went back to Cardiff for he a month. He went to Forest, oh, Forest as, well. as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ashley Cole went to Palace. So a lot of the younger players of Engel fought through actually did experience uh, and benefit from loan spells elsewhere and I do think it's it's critical in their development and it's something we almost have to accept like someone like Nketiah I think we have to say look next season is about that for him he has to go somewhere and ideally somewhere he's going to play 
uh, and we hope we get a, a better player back in 12 months or, or a player who's more marketable as an asset because I think yeah. cynically you have to look at your academy from that point of view too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you've got to um, you've got to give these players a chance because if they just keep playing at under 23 level, they stagnate. That's what happens. Mm. You don't get challenged as a player or, you know, physically, mentally, um, from a footballing point of view, you're not challenged anymore. And if you're a really good player, and some of these young lads coming through at Arsenal appear to be really, really good players, they are going to struggle if they only ever play under 23 football. And I thought it was interesting this uh, season, remember they have the Cheka Trade trophy where yeah. the under 21s or under 20s or something it is uh, play against established teams in the lower divisions. And mm-hmm. we lost one game, didn't we, fairly heavily? Maybe three or yeah, four five nil? One, I think. Five, was one, something like that. Yeah, you know, so it just shows you that for all the talent that you have, when you're playing against, uh, you know, experienced players, grizzled veterans, players who are just physically bigger and stronger than you are, it's a real, it's a real challenge. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to manage those situations well. But, you know, as I wrote in the blog today, what we have done is appoint somebody to be a lone manager within the club. So somebody who coordinates all the lone players. Uh, I don't know if they make the final decisions, but certainly, uh, you know, they would, uh, I guess, look at potential destinations and also make sure that uh, tabs are kept on players when they are on loans because, um, you know, in, in the past, players have gone out on loan and not received any real feedback from the club or the manager at the time about how they did and how they were doing and, and how they were progressing. Because, you know, when you do send a player out on loan, you know, unless it's just to get rid of him uh, and you can't sell him, if you think, you know, like Bentner, for example, a couple of times went out on loan and, you know, we didn't really want to keep him, but we couldn't sell him. Mm-hmm. But when you're sending certain players out, surely the idea is you, you watch them to see if they develop. And whether they can come back, whether they're improving, whether they're making strides or not, and that surely just um, informs your your final decision about them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, listen, the loan manager's got a big job this summer because there's a lot of young players, a clutch of young players who have got real promise and it's unlikely they're all going to... Uh, find a foothold in the first team next season. I mean, and that's the other thing to say, by the way, is that if they are going to, it'll be in the first half of next season. You know, when you've got the League Cup, um, the early rounds of the FA Cup, the early stages of European competition, if if we are in the Europa League again next year, at this point we're in now, it's really the business end of the season. Mm. We've seen Emery turning to his most experienced players, you know, the likes of Ozil and Ramsey being recalled at this stage. It's not the time to be putting a young player under pressure by throwing them into the first team when we need to win every single game. So um, good luck, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, best of luck to him. Okay, let's see if we've got another question here. Uh, Okay, this is sort of uh, slightly on a different tangent. It comes from Sri the Gooner, who is uh, an Arsbog member on Patreon. He's left a question in our uh, Discord channel, which you can get access to if you are an Arsbog member on Patreon, and you can leave your questions for the podcast in there. Uh, He says, thinking retrospectively, which transfer window did Arsenal more harm? The one where we only signed Czech or the one where we signed Mustafi, Perez, Asano, etc. So only signed Czech was 2015. Um, And when did Shaka arrive? 2016. Yeah. Uh, He didn't mention Shaka. 
No, he didn't. No, he didn't. see, there's where your mind has gone immediately. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I always think of that as a very uh, expensive, somewhere we spent a lot of money and yeah. didn't get an enormous return on it. I'm just trying to look at the context in terms of who we who we lost in those respective years too. So when we signed Czech, we sold Podolsky. Mm. Uh, we let... Diaby and Miachi go, and a couple of others. Uh, the following summer, we brought in Shaka, Mustafi, Perez, Asano. We got Rob Holding that summer too, so right. it wasn't all disastrous. Well, I'm sorry uh, he didn't cost fifty million pounds. Yeah, <laughs> and we let uh, well, we let Serge Gnabry leave, so maybe that's the <laughs> real disaster. Um, I think, in terms of our development, I actually think. It was probably more costly. Oh, this is very difficult. I think it was a real problem that we didn't really strengthen the outfield section of the squad in 2015. Mm. Um, I felt I think it didn't help us progress. Uh, in January, we added Mohamed Al Nenny, but I mean that didn't have a huge sort of net impact on the quality of the squad. <sighs> but then what we spent the following summer. Yeah, I've got to go with the following summer. I've mm. got to go with the following summer. Just in terms of, like, when you look at our resources now and how stretched we are, the fact that we went out and spent... I think we spent hundred nearly £102 million that summer. And I think only really holding and possibly Shaka have, have provided anything close to good value. Mm. I see entirely what you're saying, but I think 2015... Um, was bad. Was Is that bad. because? Yeah, I, I feel because you know what had happened. We signed uh, Ozil, then we signed Sanchez, Alex, Alexis, yeah. Um, and you could even say bringing in Petrček was a pretty big signing for for the club in terms of his profile and experience as a, a player, but mm. not in the same level as Ozil and Sanchez. And when you look at what happened that season, the way it played out which I don't think anybody could have foreseen, by the way, you know, the, the, the collapse of pretty much everybody else apart from us and Tottenham to an extent and, and the, the form of Leicester. I don't think anybody could have predicted that, you know. I just feel that if we had made the kind of investment in outfield players, spent that money, spent that 100 million, right? that we spent the following season, mm. if we'd spent that in 2015 and brought in like a couple of Ozil or Sanchez level players, then I feel like we would have won the league in that season. And that yeah. that changes the trajectory of, of everything. And there's actually a follow-up question on the Discord here uh, from Niall Mitch 14. He says, here's an interesting question. Um... If Arsenal won the league in the year Leicester did, where do you think we'd be now? Would Wenger still be in charge? Would Wenger's final season have played out differently? What players could we have had at this point? Would the likes of Ramsey and Sanchez have stayed? How would we be competing in the league and Europe right now? Just a little interesting topic to debate, I guess. So I think, you know, in terms of what we got for the money that we spent in 2016, there's no question that it was terrible. You know, with hindsight, you know, we overspent and we spent badly and the players that we got were not commensurate with the the fees or the quality mm-hmm. of the players uh, that we got was not really commensurate with the fees that we paid for those players. But 
I do think that it was such a missed opportunity in 2015 to continue this like, like Ozil signing was a statement. The Sanchez signing was a statement that here we are. We're, we, we might be uh, picking players who aren't wanted at Real Madrid and Barcelona, but they're still coming from Real Madrid and Barcelona. They have the quality to be there in the first place. And then we sat in our hands. And I think that, like, I think if you were to go back and ask Wenger if you could do over one of those summers, would it be the one where you signed Xhaka and Mustafi and, and Perez? Or would it be 2015? I guarantee you he'd, he'd choose 2015. Mm. I'm trying to think if we were sort of closely linked with other players in 2015. Um and there were sort of ones that got away. I seem to recall that Alexander Lacazette's name might have come up around that time. Right. Um, but it didn't come to pass. I, I think you're right. In, in assessing these signings, I'd sort of forgotten that that was the year Leicester won the league. I mean, in some ways, we should have just bought Robert Hooth for 100 million and then they wouldn't have won <laughs> and the league. And Wes Morgan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and Wes Morgan, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think winning the league would have changed things a hell of a lot. It would have changed the whole trajectory of the club. I think there's no there's no guessing what type of players that might have attracted, what type of investment that might have prompted, and maybe we would have cemented our status as a Champions League proposition rather than losing mm. it. Yeah, I'm just looking down. I'm just going back through the archives on Arsblog News to see who we were linked with um, in 2015. And June is all about... Uh, Czech um, yeah. Santi Cazorla there's a story here Cazorla excited by prospects of big signings um, <laughs> let's see uh, yeah okay well that's a bit of a sad story there uh, let me go to July and see what comes up in July yeah I'd be interested to see if there are any names because uh, I, I see Wenger uh, uh, open to transfers but warns about availability Boss bemoans mm. lack of striking talent. Wenger hopeful on transfers, but can't make promises. Wenger hopeful on transfers before the deadline. Karim Benzema is a player who we were linked with. Um, yes, I do remember that. Yeah. And let me see, is there anything in... in oh, that's August 2015, is it? Um, I missed July. Those headlines were giving me flashbacks. Yeah. Palpitations. <laughs> Uh, Wenger would welcome, or Giroud would welcome striker signing, plus Lacazette on his Leon future. Um, and we were linked with, let me just see here. I'm just going through. Lack of striking talent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Lacazette well, I, I says, it, yeah. I want to continue with Leon this season. Okay, so that's nothing. And then we were linked with um, a young Barcelona midfielder called Sergi Semper. Um, and that's yes. kind of it. Like, I'm sure there were loads of names doing the rounds, but like nothing credible that we covered on the site anyway. I saw, by the way, Sergi Semper, who's a name that we were linked with uh, multiple times, I think really throughout his development with Barcelona, is uh, a recently... A couple of weeks ago, signed for a Japanese club, right. Kobe. Terminated his contract with Barcelona, 24 now, playing in Japan. So is in, uh, where uh, is, um, alongside Andres Iniesta and, and Lucas Podolski. Podolski. And David Villa, they've got a handy team. Wow. 
Yeah. I so they're tearing they it up. enough out there. Are they? I should think so. Uh, let's see. Uh, where are they in the Japanese league? The J League table. J League table. Have a little look. J League table. Not very high. <laughs> uh, no, they're sixth. They're yeah, sixth. they're sixth after four games. Only four games played. Yeah. It's early days. Okay. Okay. Podolsky's captain, I believe, out there. There's an interesting decision. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think he's a bad guy or anything, Podolsky. I just wonder about, you know, his, uh, his, his leadership qualities. But True. True. Mm. Uh, well, look, he was always a very popular figure. Let's put it like that. Among, sure uh, was. Among the German national team. All right. Will we... Uh, Should we, we call yeah. that part one? Yeah, we'll call that part one. We'll take a break and we'll do more questions and bits and pieces in part two right after this. Oh, Andrew. Oh, um, yes. Make sure to stop recording. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. Tip of the tongue. Lips. Tip of the tongue. Teeth. The tongue, tongue, lips, teeth, tongue. The teeth, lips, lips, lips. The tongue, lips, teeth. I like it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to this Interlol Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog, at Arsblog, on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. And if you're an Arsblog member on Patreon, you can leave questions in our Discord chat server. There's a uh, specific channel in there which you can leave your Arsecast extra questions in. And if you're not an Arsebog member on Patreon, why not sign up? A five or a month, you get lots of extra content. We did a great podcast uh, last week, James, about Dennis Bergkamp. Mm. Nice to, to go over the career of Dennis Bergkamp at Arsenal. It was lovely. A lovely stroll down memory lane. Uh, yeah, that was a really, really fun one to record. I actually listened back to it and really enjoyed it. And also, recently on the Patreon, wasn't there the first Arsenal women's podcast? No, that that's... That team is absolutely... That, that, oh, that well, was free. It's free. That's free, but that's what the Patreon subscriptions help uh, help us do, to do more on the site in general. So uh, the first Arsenal women's Arse cast was out last month, and uh, myself and Tim Stillman will be recording another one this week as well. Tim's got loads going on with the Arsenal women's team. They had a brilliant win yesterday, didn't they? Beat the Monk Smashers 5-1. Go on, the Arsenal women. Yeah, brilliant uh, brilliant goal from Miedemar as well. Sort of sat the keeper down mm. and, and chipped into the empty net. I saw bits of that game. It's great. They are flying top of the league they sure are okay uh, here's a question this comes from MPTV Vessels Empty Vessels oh I see what he's done there at Empty <laughs> Vessels okay very good uh, and he says oh there's the door hang on one second that's okay. my doorbell 
That's not what he said, by the way. I'll be back. Right. That would be weird if he had said that. <sighs> if you think I'm going to do some sort of vocal exercises while he's gone, after what happened last week, you are sorely mistaken. I won't be singing Time of My Life. I won't be doing the tip of the tongue stuff. So I won't be doing anything. I'm just going to sit here until he comes back. Um, oh, I know what I'll tell you. So, you know, we were talking last week about the, the tapirs and the foxes in stilts in the pen at Lil Zoo together. Well, we had a message on Twitter from a guy called Ian. Hello? Hello. What have you done? Oh, what right, are you I'm doing? Just, I'm ta- no, I'm just talking. I'm just telling them about the tapir and the foxes again. Oh, yes, go. Cool, yeah. That, well, that guy, Ian, he got in touch and he's an Arsenal fan and he worked at Chester Zoo looking after the tapirs. And uh, he's a very nice man, invited us to come up to Chester Zoo whenever we like, so maybe I will. But then I had another message from Bernie and this was fascinating. Bernie, who's a at absent observer on Twitter, says, Re-Leal, zoos are starting to use behavioural analysis to decrease stereotypic behaviour, e.g. tiger's pacing. And some forms are making animals hunt for their food or search for it. Others mix species, um, even giving rhinos a tar and a rope to ram and play with. Hope that helps. So... If Bernie's correct, basically putting the tapir and the wolf in the pen together is to sort of stimulate them and stop them going a bit zoo crazy. Going mental because Because, they're trapped in a zoo, yeah. Yeah, which I think is quite interesting. Uh, I mean, whether they're enjoying it or finding it stressful, it's difficult to discern because neither of them can communicate particularly well. But uh, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean... It I is, had no it, idea that they were doing that. It is possible to see if an animal is stressed, though. You can generally tell that, particularly if you're professionals who are working with animals. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was, uh, that was a great bit of feedback uh, on that little bit from last week and the stilted fox mm. or whatever the fuck it's called. What's it called? The maned wolf or the stilted fox? Maned or, wolf, I believe. That sounds like, like a good name for a pub, doesn't it? The stilted fox. Come on down <laughs> to the stilted fox. It is stilted fox or maned wolf, yeah. Well, if I Google stilted fox, maned wolf comes up. So maybe they're just both names for the same animal. Wow. It is an extraordinary looking creature. If you haven't Googled it, this is really the time, guys, because there's nothing else going on. No, no. Um, Okay. Will I continue with what I was doing? Yeah, I can't remember what it was now. Okay, well, I don't think I'd even started, but it comes from Empty Vessels, as we'd we'd figured out. Oh, yeah. Would you like to play with the Mickey toy? Now, that's not a double entendre. That is right. not a double entendre. This is a toy, and it's, it was out last year, but I didn't see this. Um, Henrik Mkhitaryan launched his own little toy thing, a little Henrik Mkhitaryan doll. It's called a Mickey toy. It's incredible. It is quite incredible, and there's some interaction. Um, so this is the first thing that, that um, the Henrik Mkhitaryan doll says as a, a, a website, and you can listen to what the Mickey doll or the Mickey toy um, says. And this is, this is the first thing. Let me just uh, do this here. And there's some music to come with this as well. So the first one. Hello, my name is Henrik Mkhitaryan. In Armenia, people call me Heno, abroad Mickey. I'm happy to be your new friend. Happy to be your new friend. Okay. It's so adorable. 
Well, I'm not sure adorable is quite the word I would use because then the <laughs> the first song comes in and this is the first song that the Mickey doll sings. So he's he's licensed Alvin and the Chipmunks to come and do Why this. Why is it sung by a terrifying horde of children? I don't know. It's, it's Alvin like... and the Chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. It, oh, it's it, a small it, world. It, it is a small world, but it, it goes on. Uh, here's some more of the Mickey doll, Mickey toy wisdom. Tell me, what have you done lately? Would I be proud of you? Let us win together. Would I be proud of you? Would I be proud of you? Let us win together. That's followed by another song, which uh, I can't play because it didn't remind me of any. It's probably like an Armenian pop song that I've got no idea what it was. Um, And then there's another little bit of talking uh, here. My friend, you need to have a dream and you need to do everything to achieve it. That is the way I achieve all my success. That's how he he's has a dream. All my success. Yeah. I like the fact that they didn't even bother going into a recording studio for this. They just did it in a corridor somewhere with somebody holding their iPhone. It's just so... I could tell that was going to annoy you. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the crowning glory is the next piece of uh, music, <laughs> uh, which I have shortened considerably, considerably, and you'll thank me for it because this is what it does. <laughs> Wow. Did someone say ringtone? <laughs> that is unbelievable. Mickey. <laughs> and if you, uh, by the way, for those who can't see it, it's it's a, a sort of an 18-inch doll of Henrik Mkhitaryan in an Armenia shirt. Um, I don't know how you make him say stuff. Has he got a pull string or... Um, squeeze him. I hope. I hope you don't have to. <laughs> you pull his Mickey. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm hoping that's not the case. Mickey. <laughs> I mean, it is a thing of real beauty. I can't believe we don't own these. These are just twenty-four dollars. Is that all? Armenian dollars or real dollars? Uh, it just says a dollar sign. What happens if I click buy? He said, this is the start of a dangerous journey. <laughs> it, I mean, it does seem remiss that I don't own one of these. It just says dollars. Dollars. But, I mean, I, let, listen, I think after all the promotion we've given the Mickey doll, the I Mi- think there's going to be a huge upsurge in sales. They're going to be wondering what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Arsenal fans around the world will be playing with their Mickey toys. It is. Um, does it look like him? A little bit like him. Mickey. It looks a little bit like a mi- Mickey. Mickey. Uh, Mickey. <laughs> how I achieve all my sucks. Um <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really. Do you want one? That. Do you want one? Well, what's the Patreon money for, Andrew? If not buying eleven of these, <laughs> I will. I will buy you one if you really want one. I'll buy you one, and then we can like play with it on a podcast in the future. <laughs> you can. <laughs> we'll do a video special. It's just James and his Mickey toy. I, I I mean that's very generous of you. I think if I decide I want one, I can uh, I can I can get it for okay. myself. Okay, okay, well, I think, fine. I think it should be on me. It should be on me. When when's your birthday? When is your birthday? June. June. Okay. June. So yeah. Okay. All right. We'll Some see. Somewhere away. I, I don't think I can wait that long. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure if you're a really big fan of Herbert Mkhitaryan, and aren't we all to an extent, then this is the dream, the dream present. But 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 can you imagine the the pitch meeting? Can you imagine the meeting, Henrik? Uh, what do you need to do to further your brand as a global football icon? Let's make a weird mini Mkhitaryan singing mm. creepy songs with weird phrases that you say out loud. Mickey. That's Mickey. That's why I don't understand why the songs are as creepy as they are. It's like, why have it sung by a choir of ghost children? Like, I don't know. I don't know either. It's it's very strange. They, I mean, they the are songs. the souls. The souls. It's sung by the souls that Mkhitaryan has claimed. It is evil ceremony. <laughs> I don't know. Mickey. He's our midfield Armenian. I think I, I... Is that a chant, though? I think I might have heard that as a chant. Well, I mean, it's a fucking sting song. You know, Englishman in New York. Exactly. That's what that is. Uh, that was, was that a, a Theo Walcott chant as well, wasn't it? Because he was an Englishman at Arsenal, and that was uh, a novelty. Oh, vaguely, I remember something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that, was, I think that was a thing. Yeah. Back in back in the day, back in 2006. Back when but, um, life was more simple and pure. I know. I, have I talk, I've talked about this on the podcast, I think, about the Everton fans turning on Theo Walcott. It makes me a little bit sad, but it, it has happened. They figured him out. They well, figured out what they put there. Look, he's got a coffee machine now, so he can just relax. Let it exactly. wash he over can him. retire happy. He's yeah. got the coffee machine. Mickey. Uh, Let's have another... As much as I would love to just do this topic... Mm-hmm. from now on um, shall we have another question yeah let's alright okay I, it's, it's a real blow to me to move on from the Mkhitaryan toy but Mickey anyway let's uh, let's force it upon myself um, okay this is a question oh this is from oh who's that man whose name I can't pronounce not doing the it one I'm, that not, I I'm not helping you I'm not helping you <sighs> Gagan J. <laughs> not Georgagan. Georg, it's not Georgagan. Right, well, this one's from Georgagan. Uh, and, and he asks, so much PR uh, and social media activity around this weird mid-season tour of Dubai. The club must be profiting from this to make it all worthwhile. Is this just one more thing that will be commonplace in football for years to come? Um, I think it's a bit w- weird this season because of the way the FA Cup fixture worked or the you know the fact that we didn't have a game that weekend. I wonder yeah. would we have done it ordinarily just during the interlull? Maybe it is. Suspect- Maybe it is the start of something. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I suspect the sort of quirk of the fixture list and you know, the fact that we're not even playing till the Monday. Yeah, exactly. Back played its part in it too. I'm sure there is a strong commercial incentive mm. for Arsenal. I'm sure there's a, a decent fee, for example, for, for partaking in this friendly match. Um, but I, I, I don't think it can become too commonplace. I just think without a winter break, there probably aren't enough gaps in the 
in the schedule. Maybe during international breaks. Yeah, maybe. doesn't it? I mean, does it feel a bit at the moment like our international um, contingent is at an all-time low? Sorry, I ate some peanuts before the start of the show, and right. you know, I, it's a really bad idea. I thought you idea. were just really sad about the international contingent, no. and your voice was starting to sort of it crack. It was cracking. A little piece of podcasting advice to anybody out there: don't eat peanuts before you start recording, because they tend to, you know, um, get caught back there, even little crumbs. But you know, remember years ago when the international break would be on, and pretty much everybody would be away on interlull duty, and now. Mm. Lots of them aren't. You know, some have retired, some aren't internationals, I guess, or or what have you. But it feels like we've got fewer players away during these international breaks, which I think then allows... Oh, here we go, listen. <clears throat> the peanuts. The, the revenge peanuts. of the peanuts. The revenge of the KP salted peanuts. Um, please send me many packets of free KP salted <laughs> peanuts. No, um, you know... Send Andrew those and me the Mikatari yeah. toy and everyone will be happy. Yeah, James can get, uh, you know, his his uh, his Mickey toy. Um, Mickey, yeah. But um, what I was going to say was that, you know, an overseas tour like this is not particularly exciting for the for the the people in that country or for the sponsors or the advertisers if you're going with a bunch of kids and, you know, Francis Coquelin, you know, who never played sure. international football, um, all due respect to him, et cetera, et cetera. But when you can bring Lacazette, when you can bring Koscielny and you can bring uh, Mesut Ozil, uh, who's been front and centre of many of the things that have been going on out there, then it becomes a more attractive proposition um, and people will maybe make you offers that are too good to turn down. So I think it's a number of things all coagulating. Coagulating? That's the wrong word. Just coming together anyway um, to allow this to happen at this point. Why is it that our international contingent is a bit uh, lighter than usual? I suppose there are some older players. The age profile of the squad is mm-hmm. a bit older than it has been yeah. for a while. So you've got people like Petacek and... I know, is Petacek? I forget Petacek if he's yeah. there or not. But you've got certainly Koscielny. Koscielny. Uh, Bernd Leno, for example. You know, even when Wojciech Szczesny and Lukasz Fabianski were, were playing, they were the two goalkeepers often uh, away with Poland. Um, mm. You know, Hector is injured. Is it Ozil who's retired, of course. But Hector doesn't play for Spain, really. Um, Mustafi no. doesn't um, play for Germany. Uh, Monreal is injured. Kolasinac, I assume, has gone off with with Bosnia. Um, El Nani, yeah. you know... Lacazette didn't get the call-up, did he? So. Ramsey, 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 Ramsey. We didn't mention Aaron Ramsey's injury. That's a bit Fun worrying, injury. isn't it? Well, yes. I mean, do we have any indication how serious it is? Very, uh, very, 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 very... His leg serious. has come off. Yes. Very serious. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it took them long enough to to send him back, so there must have been some hope that he could have recovered with a bit of treatment and what have you, but that turns out not to be the case. Yeah. I mean, it is a competitive game for Wales, so it's not like it's a friendly where they just say, oh, don't worry about it. They would have wanted him to, yeah. to feature if he could have done. Um, fingers crossed it's not too bad. I mean, obviously that part yeah. of his body has... A real history, doesn't it? Uh, mm. the, the thighs and the hamstrings. Yeah. So we hope that's not too bad. But yeah, I mean, as for the Dubai thing, I mean, we're not the only club to have had a, a warm winter training break this season. 
No, I remember yeah. uh, Liverpool doing it earlier in the year. And, uh, uh, it's Yeah, Southampton were away on warm weather training in Spain before they played us because I had some tweets from a guy whose name I can't remember right now, very sorry, who asked me if there was anything he would like me to do uh, to the Southampton squad while they were there. So I sort of mentioned lasagna sure. a bit to him, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure whether he was able to do that or not but yeah it's it's one of those things that is more i think about team bonding and togetherness and going on a trip together than the actual benefits of training in warm weather which makes fuck all difference really yeah and the commercial elements yeah. i think as we discussed but uh, it wouldn't surprise me mm. to see it become more commonplace certainly mm. shane um, desmond i've got one here from shane desmond at sdes1 says with check retiring and martinez on loan what do you think our goalkeeping situation will be come next season waste some of our small budget on a backup or promote from within i've been thinking about this actually for a couple of weeks and I think I would... For a couple of them. weeks. You've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's really? what the Interlal has done to me. I'm losing my mind. I spend my time I'm just imagining about what you. Martinez yeah. is up to in Reading. I'm, I'm just imagining Rocking you and your... Rocking back and forward on a chair, head in hands. What will we do about Emmy Martinez? What is happening with our goalkeeping? Played a seven out of ten game for Reading. What a conundrum it's given us. Um... No, I, I genuinely would, because I think Bern Leno has done enough for me to think, OK, he's the number one, he's the number one next season. I look at what else has to be done in the squad, and I sort of think, Martinez will be fine, won't he? He'll be fine as a number two. Yeah. I, I just... Mm. I, you know, we've invested so much in his development in terms of how much time we've had, the amount of loan spells we've sent him out, and I know that you've never been convinced, but... I just sort of think at some point maybe we've got to go, we've spent 10 years developing this kid. Like, let's... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Let's get something out of it. No, I do. I know Is what you mean. Is that a good way to run a football club? I know what you mean. Uh, look, my, my hesitation is always that, you know, he's 26 years of age. He's going to be 27 on his next birthday and he's hardly played any first team football you know and at the same time Bernd Leno same age has played hundreds and hundreds of games um, so I, goalkeepers are weird anyway we know about the weird dynamic of the the backup goalkeeper guy who plays most of his career as a number two um you know, he could be he could be one of those. And when he's played for us, you know, he's generally done okay. I think he's done yeah. okay. You know, there was that crazy game at Reading, wasn't there? But, you know, without mm -hmm. him being perhaps a little bit dodgy in that first half against Reading, we'd never have had the 7-5. So, you know, there's a, a telling contribution to our, our history and our legacy. You know, I don't know what the club are thinking in terms of the quality of the goalkeepers. He did do an interview last week um, where he said he was promised games. Um, and that's why he stayed at Arsenal in the summer. He, he thought he would get maybe the Carabao Cup games if it was a right. case that, you know, Leno and Czech were battling it out for Europa League and Premier League, he was going to get the cup games. So that didn't turn out to be the case. He seems to be doing pretty well at Reading. Um, is it enough for him to come back and be back up to Bernd Leno? Maybe. You know, in 2003-2004, we had Graham Stack as our backup goalkeeper for Jens Lehmann. Graham Stack was the backup goalkeeper for the Invincibles. And, you know, he went on and played, but he didn't play at Premier League level. Um, so I wonder sometimes, do we place too much importance on the role of a number two keeper? 
Well, I think, you know, we have had situations in the past where we've had a clear number one and that number one has maybe looked a little bit complacent at times or mm. their, their place has seen almost too secure. So I guess that's a concern. But, you know, Bernd Lerner, one of the things he's got going for him is he's... I don't think he's picked up a single injury this season. Touch word, obviously... It, Forgive me if that proves to be the mega jinx. Mm. But, you know, throughout his career, I think that's been the case. He's played an awful lot of football. And I think he's sort of become so stylistically integral to the way we play that, you know, it almost feels uh, like he should be number one going forward. You know, next season, I don't think it'd be particularly helpful to be like, well, this is our European goalkeeper and this is our Premier League goalkeeper. I think it might be nice to have that consistency across both competitions. Um I yeah I think I would just give Martinez a shot at, at deputy and give him the domestic mm. cup games. Okay, he's six foot five. He can play enough, uh, and yeah, every time I've seen him in the last, I'd say, two or three years in an Arsenal shirt, he's he's impressed me. And yeah. I just think, with resources being what they are. You know, I just I don't really see the point in dropping more money on a different yeah. keeper. I'm with you. I prefer like a uh, a set number one, a number one goalkeeper, and he's your number one goalkeeper. Particularly if we're playing in the Champions League, you know, I, I never quite got the the idea of if Petr Cech was your number one goalkeeper, why are you playing David Ospina in the Champions League? You know, I never mm. really got into that, and in some ways, I think it complicates things to have a goalkeeper who's perhaps too good to never play but not good enough to be your number one, if that makes sense. Mm. Maybe it's complicated, but then you get you get into this thing, well, what if our number one goalkeeper gets a knock? We've got to have a good backup for him. And what if the backup gets injured? We need some good backup for the backup. And then if that backup gets injured, I mean, what do you do? Who do you play then? Mickey. You know, that's where you are. <laughs> yeah, or, or Bamiang, as we, I think, decided last week. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a question... Very quick one from Banana, who's at Stupid Lala on Twitter. And Banana asked, do you have any news about will Pleguezuelo sign a contract or come up to the first team? And I can actually say I know his contract's due to expire at the end of this season. And as things stand, I don't think there's anything in place for a new one. So I think Pleggy, maybe his time may be up. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad you asked the question and then answered it yourself. Thanks very much indeed for that. Yeah, that was good. I, just oh, thought, I mean, it's good. They've had enough I, from you. I, I, I got no fucking idea. So I'm glad you answered <laughs> it. I had no clue what they were going to do. Uh, here's one from West Stantone at West Stantone. Mavropanos has been fit since the 5th of January, yet has only made the bench as an unused sub for the Cardiff and Huddersfield games. Didn't he come on in one game? Or am I, am I imagining I think that? you've imagined that. have I imagined it though no 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 you haven't you're right I think he did he did uh, come on I definitely remember him coming on everyone going he came on against Manchester City in the 3-1 yeah. defeat in the uh, 79th minute and you know we didn't concede a goal when he came on the pitch we did not concede a goal coincidence yes um, <laughs> well I uh, I feel like I'm turning on all the questions this week, but I, I have an inkling that he hasn't actually been fit since the 5th of January. I think there was another setback. Yeah, I think so uh, too. Last month or something. Um, I seem to remember Chris Wheatley, who is really the go-to man for all news, Konstantinos Mavropanos, mm. saying that he was back in training a couple of weeks ago 
which implied some sort of absence that hadn't been publicised by the club, really. Yeah, if you need to know a bit about the Greek, then Chris uh, Wheatley is your man because he's uh, dealing with uh, uh, Socrates as well, isn't he? He set up the yeah. social media accounts for those guys. Uh, anyway, the, the question from West Anton was, he was the returning cover that was used as an excuse not to buy uh, a replacement for holding. Do you think he is either useless or ornament? Do you think he's used or ornament? I don't, Tony, what are you saying here? You, the question is, are we going to... I don't know how to make sense of Do you think he's either use or ornament? Hmm. Uh, I don't know what that means either. Well, Sorry, Tone. But I, I, I get the gist. Um, and for me, I think I've said this on the show, but Mavropanos is kind of in the same position as Eddie and Ketia in my mind, yeah. where I think it's essential he goes out on loan and plays real football matches because... When he plays at under-23 level, he is really impressive. And everyone I know who watches the under-23 says, oh, he looks great. He looks incredibly physically powerful um, and very confident. But then we've said that about so many young players before and they haven't necessarily transitioned. I think he needs to play against senior professionals week in, week out. Mm. And then we can assess what he can do. And it's sort of a curious thing because, you know, you see these prospects and you want them to be part of the squad. You think they could be useful, but I really think for us to get the best of them and to be able to assess them properly, we've got to kind of put them somewhere else for mm. you. Our, see how our, fair. our sample size with him is very small as well, isn't it? Two games so at the end of last season where, you know, he looked decent, but they were nothing games because of the way the season was playing out. And then he was sent off against Leicester, which is unfortunate that can happen. I wouldn't make any judgment based on that. Um, but... I think one of the other issues is that he's a left-footed centre-half, right? Um, is he, though? Is he actually a lefty? I think he's a uh, left-footed player. Is he? I'm not sure. I, 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 He might be. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying I'm genuinely not sure. I mean, I had a conversation with someone at the weekend about left-footed centre-halves. No, um, according to Transfer Marked, he's a right-footed player. I don't know why I thought he was left-footed at all. Well, I think it's because he can play on the left side of the back. Well, okay, well then, four. okay, that's fine. But then that means he's competing with Lauren Koscielny in a back four, right? So he's not going to get in the team ahead of Lauren Koscielny. Um, no. I mean, basically, the conversation, just to finish that thought, was that left si- left-sided centre-halves are at a huge premium in football at the moment, mm. and uh, kind of everybody wants one. Uh, so... I think Mavropanos is a right-footed player who can play on the, the yeah. left side of the central defence. But um, I do think he's a really interesting prospect. I just think... I don't see how he's going to get enough game time. I think as a central defender, you'd sort of need to go and play. I think yeah. that's how you learn and how you improve. Although, you know, um, we, we have Rob Holding as an example of how... Um, that's true. You know, he didn't go on loan, but then he did play a good season for Bolton, I think, before he, he joined us. Uh, he did. He, he played quite a lot of football for Bolton. and uh, But you're right, you know, he, he had that a couple of years ago, he had a very tricky season, the Ostersunds season, as I'd like to think of it, mm. uh, Arsene's last. But he sort of was mainly sort of on the bench or not involved, and then he came back looking improved. So you can do it without a loan, but I just think Marathonis is that bit, younger and that bit more raw I think that's it he just feels very very raw to me mm. hmm. and that can be exciting but yeah look I need Tony yeah we, we need we need to to see him play um, and again it's one of those things where we have pinned such hopes on him simply because he's not a player that we 
dislike or are frustrated by that when he doesn't play, it becomes more frustrating. You know, that way. So we'll have yeah. to see. Okay, here's a question from uh, Revert Chris, at Revert Chris. And he says, what are your thoughts on Xhaka's comments he made last week regarding his career ambitions? Personally, I don't think his stock is any higher than it is now, and it might be worth getting rid at a premium. He's replaceable and would fuel other summer activity. Um, and I just had a quick look there to see what exactly it was that, that Xhaka said. Mm. Um, have, you, have you seen it? I've seen it. He said something. Well, I won't, I won't paraphrase if you've got it in front of you. I'm just bringing it up here. It um, one second. It was like... I'm very ambitious. (laughs) I'm very ambitious. I want to take the next step. Arsenal does not have to be the last stop. Yes, we've heard it all before. But normally from much better players. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, I... Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I remember you saying, was it a month or so ago? that he would be one of the names on your possible list of how to raise funds mm. if we if we had to. Mm. Um, I think he, my inclination would be to keep him because I think his skill set is difficult to replicate. I think he's imperfect. He's definitely imperfect, but... None of us are perfect, James. Well, speak for yourself. But he, he, what he's good at, he's very good at. Um, and in terms of progressing the ball, you know, we are much better with him in the team than without. But I, I wasn't a huge fan of those comments. I am also, I must stress, very wary of comments I read which come out during the international break because you know they've probably been through about six different versions of Google Translate. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you, you don't want to sort of place too much. You don't know what the question was. You don't know what the context was. Yeah. And, he, but you know, he if said- he were to kick up a fuss and say, I want to go. You wouldn't be I wouldn't crying. be fighting. No. Okay. No. Okay. If we could get a very good price for him, I'd be like, sure. That's yeah. all absolutely fine. What about you? Um, yeah, I like him. He seems like a nice guy. And the video that he did last week uh, on the official website was really lovely. I thought that was um, really nice. If people haven't seen it, it was a thing for Down Syndrome Day. And it was, uh, it was really lovely. He seems yeah. like a very nice bloke. But like you, you know, if he wants to go, then okay, all right, you know, have a nice time somewhere else. And if we get enough money and we can, we can bring in a, a different kind of midfielder or a better midfielder, then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And that's not specifically about jackets for any position, any player. If we can improve the squad, then I'm I'm for it. You know, um, and he did say Arsenal doesn't have to be the last stop. He didn't say you know, definitively he's looking to leave or anything like that. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is a question from Jimmy C on Facebook. Uh, And Jimmy C says, from your list of Arsenal books on Arsblog News, which are your favourites? Oh, now you're going to make me go and look at this list because I don't quite know <laughs> what's on the list. Andrew uh, Andrew Allen put this together. Ah, it's not your list. It's Andrew Allen's it's list. It's Andrew Allen's list. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, there's uh, a lot of books in there. I mean, there's 50 books. I'm not choosing my favourite out of that. No way. The ones you wrote, probably. Well, that would be that would wrong be for me to... To say, um, <laughs> and look, 
there's lots of good ones there. Someone can have a look. I mean, I, I love Amy's book, um, The Invincibles book, um, which is uh, which is fantastic and such a great uh, look back at that season. Um, mm. What it's else is there? I, I would also say, we, I know we recorded the episode for Patreon, but Stillness and Speed, the Dennis Burkamp. Oh, yes. Uh, and David Winner sort of biography is fantastic too. That's a really unusual football book the way he talks about the game I think is uh, Mm. quite unique really in the sort of landscape of football biography yeah I haven't read Theo Walcott's Growing Up Fast have you? no (laughs) I haven't read any of Theo Walcott including like TJ and the Big Goal or whatever they're called yeah 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 TJ and his Mickey um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's loads there. Fever Pitch, of course, a, a great book by Nick Hornby at the top of the list. Uh, there's loads. Just go through, and if you're looking for Arsenal books to read, uh, there are there are lots and lots of them there. Uh, Andrew's put together a fairly definitive list. Um, it's pretty comprehensive stuff. It's worth checking out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have I got one more question? Let me go to the, to the Discord... Um, I've got this one quickly go while on. you find it from J- Jason Ramsern on Facebook, who asks, "Does Beardy McBeardface have your nudes? Can't for the life of me get a question read. He gets one weekly, and then <laughs> four crying emojis." Well, now, uh, now, <laughs> it's just a name uh, that sticks out. Lots of people get on relatively frequently. Um, like your friend Gagajan Gagajan Jaman. Gagajan. Gagajan Jaman's getting on. <laughs> He's always getting on. But you know, they're innovative, interesting questions. I mean, Beardy McBeardface, I think I do enjoy saying Beardy McBeardface. So that probably is in his favour. And also, he has our nudes. He does have our nudes, after all. Mickey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what was his question? Oh, he, he, he didn't have a question. He was just—he hasn't even got one. His question: the question is, does Beardy and Beardface have our news? Yes, yes, he does. Yes, is the answer. Yes, he does. Um, okay, let me see if I can find this one. Um, Brownlow 03, City and Chelsea are likely to have transfer bans this summer and beyond. Does that give us more of an opportunity and put the onus on us to sign bigger players than we might have expected? While Lowy133, this is on the Discord server, says, would you support a bid for Hudson Odoi in the summer? Uh, would I support a bid for Hudson Odoi? Yes. Do I think Chelsea would sell us Hudson Odoi? No. No, if they're uh, not, they can't buy any more players. Yeah, I mean, I cannot at all see the logic in that. I actually think they've got a pretty decent chance of keeping him. Now that he's sort of got his England call-up and he's going to be a senior international, uh, I think that might work in his in their favour in terms of trying to keep him at the club. Yeah. And if they've got this transfer ban, which from what I understand is going to be upheld and apply this summer, I, I think they'll fight tooth and nail to hold on. 35 to million was uh, what Bayern Munich were being quoted for, and there's no way we're spending 35 million. And also, no. do we not want to give uh, Amici a chance? Do we not want to give Saka a chance? Reese Nelson. Yeah. Reese Nelson. Do we not want to make it with our own kids? Exactly. Uh, I don't think we'll be in Fadson Adore, even though I think he's very, very talented. But I do um, think there is something interesting about Chelsea 
maybe Chelsea more than City sort of potentially being off the market this summer because, you know, I feel like they're more maybe competing in the same kind of area as mm. us. We, I, you know, with Abramovich having pulled back on the spending somewhat and bear in mind that Chelsea are, like us, a Europa League team at yeah. present, I feel like them not being on the market, uh, yeah, certainly could be beneficial. And they're another London club too, let's not forget. Mm. I've got so, a couple, yeah, couple of quick ones to finish, I think, as we've been, you know, we've been going on. Uh, first one from the God Badger, who's at the God Badger. He's the God of all Badgers. Um, and his Twitter profile is shadowy figurehead of the woodland underworld and terror of the hedgerows who should get out more, stop eating chocolate and playing video games. Talented badger, this guy. He says, is it a crime, is it a crime to visit Spain and not taste ham on ruffles? I've been there for four days and completely forgot till I was on the plane home. It is a crime and you'll be arrested at, at the airport. Yes, upon, by the uh, by the arrival. stoat police or whoever lives in the like woods. Who else lives in woods yeah. with badgers? The stilted fox police. They'll be after Foxes, you. Foxes, voles, otters, weasels, ferrets, velociraptors, <laughs> dragons, Mickey, <laughs> and uh, Mickey of course Mickey. lives in the woods with all his woodland friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a real shame for you. I don't know where you live. If you live in London, there are places you can source them. But let me tell you, you'll be paying a premium. Mm. You will be paying a premium. And a I don't crime. know if I'm prepared to name those places publicly because it would cut off my supply. Mm. Uh, final one, Mark Alicia, who's at Mark Alicia underscore on Twitter. What if the football stopped and we only had interlulls? What would you podcast about? I vote for a deep dive into Arsblog's fear of Gunnarblog's dogs. I think this is a probably a, a reasonable sample of what we would <laughs> be talking about. It would be like this. All the time. Yeah, yeah, imagine that. Mm. Fate worse than, well, many things. Um, I don't know. I mean, we would probably still carry on doing the podcast. We, we carry on doing it in the summer, which is essentially one big interlock. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With the occasional transfer to kind of punctuate it. Yep, yep. Um, but, uh, we, we would basically, we'd buy the Mkhitaryan toy and do a podcast entirely in conversation with that. Yeah, we'd probably do like a little film series, Mkhitaryan, the Mickey toy travels around the world, meeting new friends like Podolsky's. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, like Podolsky, Mickey toy and Podolsky. There's a sitcom and a half. Exactly. The Mickey toy ends up captaining a J-League t- team to triumph. <laughs> or to mid-table. Out. Yeah, comfortable mid-table. All right. Uh, and their success is heralded by a choir of creepy singing Weird Elves. children, yes. All right, I, I think we better leave it there. Um, I don't want to talk about my fear of your dogs. I'm not afraid of the dogs, just the barking startled me. I'm not afraid of it's little right. dogs. They're not, I, mean, I mean, they're my mum's dogs and they have returned to my mum, so you're safe that's, for now. That's good. But at some point, they're going to get me again, I know. it. But I'm a very easily oh. startled person in general, like amazingly. Really? Uh, yeah. If someone hides behind a door and jumps out... Yeah. It, you're gonna. It's gonna yeah. pay off big time. Yep, 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 big time. And I, I shriek when people do it. It's like, ah! Oh yeah. yeah, that's me. Though I don't like loud noises. You don't people like drop things or like smash things. Yeah, I sort of go into like paralysis for about twenty <laughs> seconds. It's really strange. 
Maybe we'll keep that for another Interlol podcast. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll just drop different objects and yeah. see how I react. <laughs> All right, folks. Listen, thank you very much indeed for being with us uh, throughout this uh, Interlol nonsense. Thank you for uh, indulging us, the Mickey toy and uh, the creepy singing children and all the rest. We will have an Arsecast on Friday. There is a game against Newcastle on Monday, so we'll be looking ahead to that and lots more. Uh, there's an Arsenal women's Arsecast out during the week as well, so stay tuned for that. And we'll catch you uh, next week, next Tuesday. It'll be Tuesday when we have to do the podcast because we're playing on Monday. So Speak to you then, I guess. I will. Do you want to say goodbye properly or do you want to just like ruin everyone's day? (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.